Hey folks, I am Jerry A. Thompson and welcome to this episode of the Pivot Play Podcast. Yep, 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 yep. I've been away a couple weeks. Uh, we haven't dropped an episode. Just just busy. Bunch of stuff going on. You know how it is. Um, got episodes to, to edit. We got interviews. We got to get in queue. It's just a lot. But there are other things that come up, right? Other projects, other priorities. So we're back in the groove, back on the grind. Um, so let's let's get to it. Uh, so first and foremost, want to thank everyone who's been going out and getting. If, you, if you're watching the video version of this podcast, you can see I am sporting uh, the Live Free. It's a lifestyle. Uh, one of the T-shirts. Uh, maybe you can see also I've been getting back in the gym. That's not really a joke. Kind of a joke, but not really. Well, me being in the gym, no, that's not a joke. It's it's for real, real, real serious stuff. Uh, but anyway. Um, but no, seriously, uh, some of you have gone to livefreeinspirations.com and picked up the gear. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm seeing all these posted pictures that people are putting out there and sending to me of wearing the gear. And what's most important is not just, you know, from a merchandising standpoint, is that uh, the live free, it's a lifestyle the hashtag, right? That message has been part of my life for a very long time. And so being able to actually put it in some form and then see how many other people you know that this uh this hashtag uh, resonates with has just been amazing to see so you know this idea of owning your life owning your destiny you know owning your value uh and really um determining how you want to impact the world right how you want to reach and touch people all these things matter so much so again it's out there live free uh inspirations.com you'll find something that you like if you happen to find something you like please take a picture post the hashtag send it to me we'd love to we'd love to see all that anyway all right so let's jump into it two things we're going to talk about and i'm going to do my level best to get through this really quickly and so this episode today really is for I want to say primarily leaders, people who are influencers, like you, you know, like you, you, you got some leverage in situations, right? Even if you don't have the title, um, and even if you're a parent, all right? So the first thing we're going to talk about is difficult conversations, difficult conversations. And I want to talk about this for a couple of reasons. One is difficult conversations are just a part of life, right? We've all been part of them. And we, we know as kind of that reality, like we've, you've probably been on both sides of one of those conversations, right? Like you can be the person who initiates that difficult conversation. And that's one position to be in. And you might be on the receiving end of a difficult conversation. But you know that depending on which side of the table, right, it, it kind of lands a little bit differently. And the other thing, reason I want to bring this up is that a lot of people, uh, and, and I would include myself, right? We, we want to avoid difficult conversations and maybe we shouldn't even call them difficult. They're uncomfortable conversations because we're having to tell someone something that we really don't want to have to tell them, right? We're having to bring up an issue, um, a concern. Maybe you saw someone doing something they shouldn't, it doesn't matter, right? And I think it goes back to just part of our humanity, you know, human beings, we want to be accepted, we want to be liked. And so we don't want to break stride necessarily 
um, and be the person who initiates a difficult conversation. And so we just generally are not confrontational. Now, there's some people, they can't wait. They can't wait to pin somebody against the wall and tell them something that they did. Uh, I'm not talking about you because I think a lot of those people just what they lack is a mirror, right? <laughs> it's easy for them to see what somebody else is doing. They can't ever see what they did. If they did something that was incorrect, improper, inconvenient, you know, unproductive, uh, they don't tend to see that. They just see what everybody else did or didn't do through their own lens. So those people, if you know one of those folks, uh, if, a, if a holiday or birthday is coming up for them, get them a mirror. They probably need that more than they need anything else. So they can see. But for a lot of us, right, we, we, we because we think more, more long term, right? And so uh, perhaps we don't want to change the tone, the tenor of that relationship. So we want to avoid it. But here, here's why it's important. If there is an event, an issue that would bring about a difficult conversation, you avoiding it does not make it go away. That's the key. So my point is, if you note the issue, the concern, the problem that would precipitate a difficult conversation, it's going to happen. What you're getting to do is decide which side of the table you want to be on when that conversation goes down. All right, let me move quickly through this so we can get to change because the change, the organizational change management piece of this is going to be super value. So let me get through this difficult conversation part. So I'll give you an example. So let's say you are a parent and you have a child who is just off the chain. And you know if your kid is off the chain, right? But if you don't, let me give you some examples. If you tell your child to do something and they don't do it, your child might be off the chain. If you tell them repeatedly and they don't do it, your child might be off the chain. If you talk to them and they talk back to you in a disrespectful way, your child might be off the chain. You tell them to do something, they do the opposite, your child might be off the chain, right? And some parents don't want to own that. But some of y'all got raggedy kids. You just do, right? But I don't, I'm, well, am I joking? Let's move on, right? But here, here's my observation. Is if your child is disobedient and acting out at home, they're going to be really a handful when they get out in public, right? It just... And again, because you are the authority figure. And if you can't bring them into alignment, what do you think is going to happen when they get out, when they're dealing with other kids, other parents, perhaps teachers, other people of authority out in society? But more importantly, as a parent, your leverage, mostly with your kid, is really, if, if it's anywhere, it's in your house. When it decreases, or is minimized is when you get outside the house. So let's move on. You got a wild child acting out at home, but because you, you don't want that uncomfortable conversation. You don't want them to be upset with you. You don't want them to be angry. And we've all seen, you know, stories and some of these videos of a parent tries to correct the child, perhaps in a store or something, the kid goes off yelling and screaming, throwing and stuff. I hate you. 
which always to me, I wonder if that stuff is scripted, right? Because there's just there's just no way that that could go down, right? If if I got out of control in public, my mother was going to correct me wherever it went down, right? Anyway, let's move on. So you got this child. You don't want to be on the outs with the kid, right? And so you don't correct them at home. Then they go to school and they act out, right? So you could have had that difficult conversation at home, you and your child, you on one side of the table, child on the other side, but you avoided it. So you're having a difficult conversation, but now it's you on one side of the table. And now there's some authority figure on the other teacher, principal, someone else. And what happens in that is you've now lost your leverage. You've lost your influence. You have dented your integrity as a parent because you now have to sit on that side of the table. That's a reason to preserve that and to preserve your ability to properly influence your own child when you have your best chance to do it is going to be at home. So now let's move on. So you are a leader and you have someone within your organization who's underperforming, they're missing dates, they're coming with bad attitudes, whatever it is. You have a responsibility for the sake of the entire organization to address that issue, but you don't want to because that's a difficult conversation. Some of you are in leadership, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We have all been there, but you don't want to address it. That's a difficult conversation, but you have now the opportunity to have that conversation while you still have all of your leverage, while you still have the influence, while you still have the credibility but you decide you're not going to do it. You delay it or maybe you clumsily do it and you'd never really deliver that message. Right. And maybe we'll get to that. Maybe not. But then this person in your organization underperforms so horribly. Perhaps they create an issue. Perhaps they offend someone and it all goes left. So guess what? there's going to be a difficult conversation. But rather than it be you and the employee on different sides of the table, now it's you and another authority figure, perhaps perhaps your own leader, perhaps it's human resources. But when you're sitting on that side of the table, you have dented your credibility, your influence, your ability to really make something happen. You're now subjugated to what's gonna happen in this process. And this is my point. So I think you all get it, but does that make it any easier? I don't know that me saying this makes it easier. I really want to bring it to your attention, but I, I will I will tell you one thing that I think can help in situations like this is to focus on the outcome more than you focus on the discomfort of that conversation, right? Think more long-term. What do you ultimately want to happen? If you're a parent, you want your child to grow up and be a productive member of society. You want them to be able to grow and be able to use all their gifts and their talents and their abilities and craft a great life for themselves. If it's an employee, you want them to be the best that they can be and to help the organization and to grow their own career while they're, while they're bringing value to the business. This is what we want. So think about how you can craft that conversation with that end in mind. And then I'll say lastly about this, craft the conversation. Don't 
be awkward in it. Be prepared. Practice it if you have to. But write down the essential points, right? If you're giving the person feedback, giving them observations, talk about things that are facts. If they're things that are slightly speculative, I think you need to own that and say that because, you know, it's sort of like circumstantial in a way, right? So you got a little piece here, you got a little piece there, a little piece here. Like you put all those together. We're working towards a context. And then you want to be able to empower the person at the end of that conversation in a way that says to them, how can I become part of solving my own problem? What can I do? What things should I do? And as a leader, as a parent, be prepared to help them with building that path to different behaviors, thereby different outcomes. Just something to think about. Just know this. Difficult conversations are part of life. They do not go away, but you have the opportunity to decide which side of the table you're going to be on when they happen. And that there is almost a whole episode in and of itself in maybe about 12 to 15 minutes. Right. All right. So now we got to get to this other piece. Throughout my my life and, and, and especially my professional career, I've always been an observer of how organizations work and in particular when it comes to change and change is as inevitable as the sun rising in the morning and and setting in the evening. Like change is just what we're going to do. If you are part of an organization that is not experiencing change, you are part of a dying organization. I'll say that again. If you are part of an organization that's not experiencing change, not planning change, not provoking change. You are part of a dying organization. So let me tell you a story of a mentee who was given the opportunity to lead a very huge project, right? Multi-million dollar project involved, you know, a, a huge, you know, so capital spend, but a lot of a lot of resource, a lot of human, you know, hours were going to go into this. But at the end of it, you know, this this would introduce both new technology, but also new processes, new reporting metrics, all that sort of stuff. But what that means is, you know, and, and I've most of you know, I, I've grown up on the on the tech side. Uh, but I know that, you know, when you bring new technology in what you're looking to do is to get adoption, which means you have to affect people's behaviors. And when you affect people's behaviors, you're now affecting the culture, right? The way that things flow with this particular organization, this group of people. And that's where it gets to be a challenge because people don't really want to change if they don't have to, right? We like predictability. We like comfort. And this is the reason why so many organizations fail with change bar none from the largest to the smallest. And that's because we have leaders who don't understand change. They don't understand their role in change, thereby change fails. So what I want to do is I'm going to share with you an analogy that I used with this mentee and I've used with other people that makes the point of understanding how change happens. How does change really happen? How do we properly influence change? How do we lead through change? Super important. You don't want to miss this. All right. So to make this point, 
we're going to talk about this. And if you're not watching this on, on video, I have in my hand a bag of microwave popcorn. That's right. Popcorn is going to teach us everything we need to know about change, at least at the highest level. And so when we go into a period of, of change, it really falls to the leaders. And one of the things that I super can't stand are leaders that somehow think that they can make an announcement about a change and then walk away, go off and do a bunch of other stuff, and they believe that something effective is going to happen. Eh, wrong answer. Thanks for playing, but your change is going to fail. So the role of leadership primarily is to do, well, let's just talk about define leadership for a second. A simple view of what leadership does is to bring the people and the mission together, right? That's, it doesn't get any simpler than that. There's something that needs to get done. There's people who are going to affect that thing. And it's the leader's job to bring that together to a productive and predictable end. Pretty straightforward, pretty simple. But now when we're talking about change, the leader has three responsibilities and they're all based in consistency and repetition. It is consistency with the message, consistency with the mission, and then consistency with the methods. These are the three things that you have to be abreast of leaders, right? What is our mission? Be prepared to say it over and over and over and over. The messaging, how you get that out. Be prepared to do it in different ways, but over and over. And then the methods, how are we going to perform? How are we going to rate ourselves? How are we going to hold ourselves accountable? You have to be consistent there. So let's get to this, this bag of microwave popcorn. The leader's responsibility and change is like you putting microwave popcorn in the microwave. In the microwave, once you push the button, you are now creating an environment that allows change to happen. And so leaders, that's your first responsibility is to create an environment where change is possible by consistency with the message, the mission, and the methods. Stay the course. Don't give up. Right? And I think it's important with the mission, and I've been in companies where there's like, you know, vision of the week. I've seen that mission of the week. Uh, and then the organization's all over the place trying to figure out what, what's going on, what they're supposed to do. Um, and then we, we go to the sort of next phase of it, which is there's the mission that's been defined. And I believe that leadership at the senior levels has to stay engaged and help to deliver the message. And if you know anything about messaging through organizations, the integrity of a message can break down very, very quickly. So let's say you have a hierarchy in this organization that goes down, let's say just six levels. The integrity of the message, which reflects back to the mission, can break down very, very quickly, even at the very next level. And then more and more as you work your way through the organization, that by the time it works its way down there, no one knows what it is, what we're supposed to do, what this means. And so the, the leaders, the senior leaders, right, and the leaders under them have to be very diligent in delivering that message themselves to every area of the organization to make sure that it comes in forms that people can deal with, right? 
we're not just going to send out an email. If we send an email, we'll follow it up with a, you know, a more expanded document or we'll do video, we'll do meetings, we'll do town halls, but we have to work this through. And that message has to be consistent. It cannot change. Be prepared to repeat yourself. It's just part of the course is what we have to do. And then what you have to do is create a feedback loop, a way for information to come back up so you know that people are hearing what you said. It's, it's, it's essential. There's, there's no other way to get around this. And one of the indicators, especially if your messaging is consistent, right? That's built on certain keywords around this change, around this value, around this productivity, around this opportunity, around this impact, whatever the keywords are in the message, you want to be listening for when people start to just naturally repeat those words back unprovoked. That means that the message is starting to take hold. So now that we've married up the message with the mission and keeping that environment consistent. So now pay attention. So here's what happens when you put popcorn in the microwave, press the buttons, boop, hit it. Light comes on. There's a carousel. It starts to spin. And initially it doesn't seem that anything is happening. Just nothing. And this is where leaders fall short. Stay the course. Make sure that you keep the environment one that is conducive for change by consistency with the mission, the message and the methods. And then something interesting happens after a little while you hear a kernel pop and then you hear a kernel pop and then another one and then another one. And let's talk about these first kernels that pop with most changes. There are the early adopters, the people who are early to sign on, right? Who are, are willing to engage it. And perhaps they predicted it. Perhaps they've been hoping it was coming, but these are your early adopters. These are the people who will lean in first and the hardest and really start to make the mission real. They are super valuable, but you have to keep an eye on your early adopters because here's what happens to them. The kernels that pop first are always looking around at the other kernels that haven't popped and be like, yo, what's their deal? Why are we doing all the work? Why are we being held to a higher standard? And they seem to be getting away with murder. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And all of that should be expected. And all of it is OK. And what I'm saying is you need to protect, bring a ring fence around your early adopters and make sure that they know that they are heard and then encourage their patients and let them know that it is their persistence and their consistency that will help bring the others into into motion and help those kernels to pop. So you get your early adopters and then what happens? Then we hit critical mass and it's boom, 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 pop, 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 pop. It's happening all over the place, right? And we see the bag gets starts getting big and then, right? So this, we'll call that critical mass. Right. We'll call that a great adoption cycle. Call it what you will. But this is what happens. Right. We're all excited. Right. Because we're about to have nice, warm, fluffy, buttery popcorn. And then something else happens. Then the popping slows down. Well, yeah, because most of the kernels have popped. And this is what's critical for the leader. 
you have to be sensitive to know when it's now time to change the environment to move on to the next thing, right? Because if you start this great effort for this massive change, at some point, it kind of goes into maintenance mode, right? But sometimes we persist in some of our actions because what we really want is we want every single kernel to pop. Every one of us have opened a bag of microwave popcorn. And what's always down at the bottom? Some unpopped kernels. But we want them all. And what I'm saying to you is understand what happens kind of on the bookends, as I'll call it. On the front end, you're going to have early adopters, those that pop first. But on the back end, you're going to have those that are never going to pop. And before you even start the change, you have to know that that's going to happen and you have to be okay with it. Because here's what we also know, that if you allow that microwave to keep going and try to complete that entire cycle, you're going to end up burning up, ruining, destroying a lot of the good that you've done trying to get those last kernels to pop. And here's the reality. Some of them were never going to pop. Some people are not going to go along with your change. They are not going to go with the organization. They're not going to go with the vision, the mission, the strategy. They simply are not going to go. They don't have the appetite for change. They may not have the courage for change. They may not want to do the new learning or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. There are always kernels that are not going to pop. Accept that before you even start the change so you don't destroy all of your effort trying to include people that really don't want to be there anymore if things are going to be different. That is the analogy of microwave popcorn and how it affects organizational change. I believe it's extremely valuable. It's super simple to understand. But knowing what happens on these bookends is critical. Your early adopters and your never adopters are going to be there. Value critical mass. Preserve the value of the, all of the work that you've done. But know that it starts with this. This is about leadership. First and foremost, this is about leadership and leaders creating the environment that is ripe for change, one that supports change, one that precipitates and, and provokes all the things we want to see by consistency with the mission, with the message and with our methods. All right. Hey, that's it, folks. Thanks for joining me for this episode. And remember, the project on the table is your life. If you don't work on it, no one else will. All right, peace out, fam. See you later.